Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. According to the Pew Research Center, only 52% of Americans invest in the stock market. And 88% of them have incomes over 100000 I got a question. Are you counted in that 52%? Investing even just 10 years ago felt like something that was unattainable for so many people. Maybe you might feel that same way right now. But thanks to apps like public.com, the stock market is becoming democratized and even more accessible every single day. So why not use this year to finally learn how to start investing? With our guest, Katy Perry, who is VP of Marketing for Public.com, a social investing app that makes the stock market inclusive, educational, and fun. Now, that's a message I can get behind. Are you with me? You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Compton-Game, where we flip the script on the old-school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. We've all spent more time with family lately. 
It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too, and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance, so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. We always talk about stock investing wins. Someone bought a hot stock and then it went crazy, or maybe you were lucky enough to pick up on Amazon or Google before their meteoric rise. But what would it look like if you could learn about investing from someone's losses? The lessons they learned while investing. I think that sounds pretty cool. Katie, who, by the way, shares a name with Katy Perry the singer, but is actually not that Katy Perry. Still an awesome Katy Perry, though, believes that the social aspect and community of everyone on public.com is, dare I say, revolutionizing investing. By creating a community, you can learn what others are investing in, what they think about different companies, and more importantly, the wins and losses they make with their investments. It's like seeing behind the curtain, like getting a sneak peek into the world of investing. Because the more knowledge you have, the better you can be at picking at what to invest in. All right. Are you ready? Let's dive in. We're going to be talking about everyone's favorite subject, investing. And I think certainly in this year, I have probably received more questions about investing than any other money topic. And I think it's really interesting with the environment that we're in in 2020, but I think people are really thinking maybe this downtime has got people thinking about investing. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to our to our discussion today. It is certainly top of mind. Uh, <laughs> so um, public.com, we're a social investing app. We we launched out of beta in September and we grew uh, this past March, April, we grew about 80%. And that really coincided with when the market took a dive in that period. And, you know, people with a long-term focus kind of saw that as an opportunity to buy some of these amazing companies that they believed in at a discount. Uh, and then, you know, in addition, there's obviously this retail investing boom and just a lot of interest in not just stocks, but businesses too. I think just interest in uh, entrepreneurialism and in, in how to build a business is very pervasive. And I think that's great. Yeah. And I, it's weird because I don't even know how to explain it. Maybe you can shed some light on this. But I see this like duality with investing where on one hand, there's a there's a lot of uh, noise out there about investing, if you will. I mean, everybody knows that you know the stock market's going up when the economy seems to be in shambles and those two things don't seem to go together but then on the other side of the coin are a lot of people who are still afraid to start investing do i do i invest now what happens if the stock market goes down i mean it's just it's complete overthinking and i'm curious like what is it about investing that creates those those polar opposites the stock market is a complicated topic <laughs> and Compounding that is the fact that it's never really taught when we're growing up. You know, I, I took shop class in eighth grade. I, I wish it were a personal finance course so I could have learned about compound interest and credit and debt and all of these things that affect all of us. Uh, I think kind of the fear and trepidation when it comes to investing is really 
a vestige of the fact that this has been a pretty closed off space for a long time where, you know, not many people had access. Uh, I think even right now, only 50% of the country has any positions in the stock market whatsoever. So, you know, going back to your point about the market versus the economy, two very different things. Uh, So experts will say, you know, the stock market is a forward looking uh, the economy is what's happening on the ground on on Main Street, and and it it can be kind of confusing for people to see, you know, people celebrating the the markets going up, and that's great if you have positions, but you know, there's a whole swath of people who don't, and uh, a lot of it is just an educational gap, uh, historically an economic gap too with investing. It used to be that you needed a lot of money to start. You needed a minimum. And then there were commission fees for investing. And then, you know, some stocks that are really popular, like Amazon are $3,500 for one share. So before the advent of fractional, it's like, who has that kind of money for even one share? Not a lot of people just getting started. Yeah, absolutely. I read something, I think, I mean, this is probably no surprise to anyone, but I read something the other day where I think um, Bezos' net worth grew like three or four fold in this period of 2020, which not surprising, everyone's ordering off of Amazon, but it shows you, you know, the power of investing. And even if you're not in that realm, but still what could happen for you with a small amount of money and the the numbers say, of course, the earlier you start, the better, regardless of how the market does because of, of compounding and long-term effect. But uh, but still, I know a lot of the listeners on this show get really confused about what to pick. Where where do I start investing? Can you speak to any of that? I mean, is, is there actually like a place to start? Yes. I think for for many people it is that moment of understanding that you know in the long term over time the market's gone up i think about 9 or 10% annually on average people understand that uh i think it is that next step though where there's that kind of hesitation of now what uh i think people who have you know retirement accounts 401k's generally understand the topics but even then Um, Those are really hands-off experiences. Maybe you pick a target retirement year and kind of let let the chips fall, and you're not really in it enough to really understand. Uh, And in picking stocks, it's it's always the first question people will ask: "What what stock do I pick?" And the answer is always: "It depends." You know, it could depend on so many things. There's so many contributing factors to what could go into your personal decision. Obviously, a company's financial health is kind of the foundation and there's different signals for that. But there's other things like your values. Uh, Maybe you don't want to invest in a company that employs prison labor or doesn't have a strong environmental uh, program. Um, There's also, you know, the products. Is there a strong consumer demand for the company that you believe in? Uh, leadership. There's all these things that can go into the decision-making process. And I think a lot of kind of the mystique is that these decisions used to be made by a small group of people kind of prior to retail investing. It was, you had a manager, an advisor. And so they're just, it was, there was a distance between kind of the investor and, and the person managing it. 
And uh, what's happening now with fractional, which is uh, you can buy a slice of a stock or a portion of a share for even a dollar, five dollars. It's helping people, A, start smaller with active experience and B, kind of learn learn and then grow as they kind of increase their financial literacy without having to like worry about putting too much skin in the game at first when you're just starting out. I like that. I I like the concept of fractional owning a lot. And I think what's so cool about technology is that it really is changing the game when it comes to investing, just like you were talking about. And I, I'm curious, you know, what what is the responsibility for a lot of these apps that are out there about investing just from like a, a, a company standpoint of doing the due diligence for the consumers. I mean, I, I read a lot about obviously Robin Hood's in the news all the time, mm. a lot of times for not good, not good things. And, uh, you know, it really makes me think like as a technology company, when it comes to investing, like what's the responsibility to, to your, your customers really and, and keeping them safe and also helping educate them. For us at public.com, the responsibility is pretty simple. It's to put our members' interests first. So we look at, okay, who's our members? Who's in our community? And 90% of them are uh, new investors. So this is their first or second investing experience. So when we look at things like uh, creating more access, democratization, making things feel intuitive, these are all great things. These help people kind of navigate the investing experience in a friendly and familiar way. And that's all great. Um, but we really believe that you have to balance that with guardrails and uh, measures that protect new investors so that the first time they're investing, it's not an experience where maybe they see a message board somewhere, someone talking about dumping their life savings into a bankrupt company and uh, and just going on that. And so we've actually built in safety labels in our app. So for micro cap stocks, for companies that have gone bankrupt, for some kind of uh, sophisticated ETFs, um, and those are three things that the SEC says could be riskier. Uh, we'll put a little label right on there. And so before you invest, you know, it's your decision, it's your money, but we'll actually ask you to kind of swipe and and confirm that you have the context. Things like that are really important uh, in addition to making it easier and friendlier and they have to work together. I agree. I like that a lot. Like, you know, you, you, it's at the end of the day, like you said, it's, it's your choice, what you want to invest in. And there also needs to be some ownership of yourself, of what you're choosing to invest in and how much money you're choosing to invest in. And that's where I think the education piece is really cool. But I, kn- I know one of the features that you focus on at public.com is is this term social investing, which is a little bit of a, of a newer term. Maybe some people might not really know what that is, but can you just walk us through like, what does it social investing mean and, and how is it like changing the way that we invest? Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. 
Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. 
You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. It's Tuesday and we've got an Ask Shauna and this one comes from Robert. Robert says, Hi Shauna, first, this podcast is everything to me. I started listening in March right when COVID hit and I probably listened to two episodes every day. Some other listeners have shared success stories, so I wanted to share one as well to inspire someone who's listening. When COVID hit, I was scared. (laughs) Not sure if I'd lose my job or not. Lucky I I did not lose my job, but my pay was cut by 5% to reduce expenses. I can live with that. I started to really look at where I was spending my money. You talk about this a lot and recently talked about it as money flow, which I love. I went through all my expenses and I did the following to fix my own money flow. I found $360 in subscriptions and nonsense I was spending and cut that out. Negotiated my cell phone bill and credit card interest rate and saved another $175 there a month. I asked myself the two questions you say to ask before I spend money. Why do you need it and how are you going to pay for it? Some things I still bought because you said you still need to live life and have fun, and some I just cut. I think I saved another $150 a month there just on not buying silly things. I started investing, yay, in my 401k and got the match, which is doubling my investment. I paid off $1,000 in student loans with my extra savings and used a payoff calculator you suggest and will pay off my loans in full 10 years earlier now that I'm putting my money to work. And lastly, but most importantly, I am just in such a better money mindset. I don't see my money as the enemy, but as my friend that is helping me carve out a different life. In fact, my girlfriend wants to know what your secret sauce is because she sees all sorts of changes in me. In a nutshell, thank you for transforming my life over the last six months. I can't thank you enough. I tell everyone I know about your show, and I just want the listeners to know that if I can do it, Even with a small salary and a small salary reduction, you can do it too. Find your vision like Shauna tells us to, and don't be afraid of money. Robert, (laughs) wow, that is so incredible. Thank you so much for sharing this story. Look at what you did. 
I didn't do anything. You did all the hard work. I was just that little voice that was in your head cheering you on every single day. But that is the whole goal. That is the reason that I turn on this microphone a couple of times a week because I love to hear stories like this. And it doesn't have to even be this big or this transformational. It could be just a small thing. Maybe there's something small that you've learned about your money or changed or started doing as a result of this podcast, I consider that a win a hundred, a hundred percent. I love what you said at the end though about finding your vision and not being afraid of money. I think that's really powerful and I want to put some emphasis on that because we tend to breeze over vision you know, we may have made like a vision board. Maybe you might have one. I love vision boards. I know they might seem a little like preteen, <laughs> but I beg you to just like stop for a minute and think about a vision board, the power behind vision. If you read a book from anybody who is really successful, anybody that you might admire, they talk about this word vision about creating a vision that you have for your life and not only just crafting it in your head, but really visualizing it, putting it out on paper, writing it down, creating a storyboard, creating a vision board, whatever it might look for you, but getting it out of your head. There's something really, really powerful that happens in your brain when you start to see the idea that you have for your life. You start transforming it from just this idea to that's my life. Now, how do I get there? And what happens is you start seeing these little opportunities like Robert has. Oh, maybe I could do this. Oh, maybe I could do that. And when you start doing that, you change the relationship you have with money. And when you change the relationship you have with money, everything changes because money touches every aspect of our lives. There isn't one part of your life where money doesn't play even just a very, very small part, right? So if we can change that relationship from something negative, from something that tells you what you can't do with your life into something positive, what you can do, I guarantee you it's, it is a game changer. So just like Robert, I want you to just sit and think for a few minutes today when you're listening to this episode what is that vision I want? And I don't want you to rule out things because you you think you don't know the right person or you don't have money or you don't have access. I don't want you to put anything limiting on that. I want you to just really think about it. And then I want you to get it out, write it down, make a vision board. I don't care how silly it feels, get it out of your head. And then I want you to look at it and say, why can this not happen? There's no reason this can't happen. So what do I need to do? What's one small thing I need to do today that actually gets me closer to that? It's pretty life-changing. And I know this and I can speak because I've done it myself. So thank you so much, Robert, for sharing this success story. If you've got a success story, no matter how big or how small, please head on over to our website, mmoneypodcast.com. Right on the homepage, you can fill out the Ask Shauna and just send me in your success story because I think when we all share these success stories, we start to see how much we're all alike versus different. It's definitely something new. Uh, as you well know, Shauna, people don't like talking about money. 
<laughs> no, come so on. Those two things together is kind of like, huh? Um, and it's really about transparently discussing your investments and kind of your your thinking around your investments with a community of other people who are coming from diverse perspectives. With the idea being that when we're all kind of being open about why we invest, especially when we're talking about long-term investing, which is really what what our community is about. I think we're three-fourths long-term investors, right? So it's not, I invested in this this gamble of a stock, I'm going to see how it goes kind of comments. It's more like, I believe in this company for the long-term because I believe in in these factors that have led me there and I'll share this out. And then you can kind of have a conversation that builds from that. And it's really helpful to hear how other people think about making investments. Not everyone has the same framework for making decisions and you can learn a lot just kind of through osmosis and through engaging with other people who are thinking about things maybe a little differently than you might be. And I guess that's sort of the power behind any of the social media apps as well, right? It's it's sharing your story, sharing your perspective. I mean, obviously, it's a little bit different about money because we don't we don't normally have these conversations. But I've just it, I, I'm so fascinated by this idea of community because investing up to this time has been sort of a not sort of it has been this like siloed thing that you do and almost. You, you don't tell people what you've invested in. You don't want them to either make money or be in the same things you are. And so it creates this isolation effect. And I'm just curious, like, if you could share a little bit from public.com, what sort of conversations happen in that community? The conversations are incredible. And I think it's, it's really because we're building a different sort of culture around the stock market. This is not uh, a group of people who are in kind of the finance meme uh, kind of, there's all these kind of communities <laughs> on the internet. And th- those kind of only reinforce um, the narrative historically of the stock market being for a certain profile of person. Like a lot of times we'll talk to different groups and communities and I'll say, close your eyes and picture an investor. And, you know, a lot of people say, you know, the guy in the blue jacket on Wall Street or the 65 year old man in the ad. And and that's kind of over time. It's after those images are reinforced, uh, you kind of start to believe that, like, maybe that's not for me. And so we're really passionate about building a broad, diverse community of investors. And the way we think about this is not just people from banking backgrounds or finance backgrounds, but let's get some technologists in here. Let's get some creatives. Let's get some small business owners. There's teachers in there and college students. And everyone kind of has expertise in something, if you think about it. And a lot of people can go really deep into a specific topic in a way uh, that you wouldn't be able to necessarily get that insight elsewhere. I use an example of uh, a recent investment I made that I shared to the community uh, in Chegg. Uh, and this isn't an investment advice, but I, I was investing in Chegg because of this move to remote learning. And I kind of explained why I talked about like their latest growth numbers and the number of kind of college students, the size of that market. And there's several uh, very engaged college kids in the app who weighed in and they were telling me all these nuances of Chegg that I didn't realize, like certain universities have cracked down on it because uh, academic dishonesty issues. They talked about, you know, one 
one young woman told me her entire sorority shares one login. And it was just interesting. <laughs> I, I, and I, I would have never had this, this kind of context. And you see that with so many conversations, you know, a designer talking very deeply about a new product Adobe has because she's been working in that product for years. And it's just a really interesting level of conversations. And it really gets to a place of how do we think about businesses and business trends and not just stocks. Um, and it, so it's a much broader kind of conversation that's happening. So did that change your mind on check? <laughs> It actually ended up working out. They had a really strong earnings call, but you know, Good, I, okay. I did learn a lot and it did make me think about, there's so many things you can read in the press and see in the earnings statements, but talking to the end consumer is, or the end user of these products is super helpful. And that's kind of the, one of the, one of the big, the big aspects of public is that you have these people speaking in a very personal way based on their personal or professional experience. And you know, you might not agree with someone's comment, but you'll you'll learn something. Totally agree. I think that's really fascinating that you can get you can get all that almost instant feedback. I'm curious based off of of what you said, because I, I hear this question a lot in our community. If you're if you're looking at a company like you were looking at Chegg or Adobe or whatever it might be, and maybe on public.com, you see some chatter about it and it looks interesting. You, the consumer, what sort of things should you be looking at in terms of that company? Should you go research more information about the annual report? Like what sort of bits of information should you pull together to even make an educated guess or decision if you should invest in this company? I am not an investment expert, but I do, I can share some kind of best practices. We've, we've kind of heard experts. I think before, I think a lot of people jump right to, I want to invest, what stock should I pick? And there's a couple steps missing before you get to that place that experts will recommend. And so one insight that I recently, you know, heard was start with the why. Why do you want to invest? What are your goals? How long or short term? In addition to that, uh, assess your own kind of appetite or uh, ability to withstand risk. And another piece, too, before you even get to the analysis of a specific stock or industry or sector is kind of an audit of your finances, because one of the golden rules people always talk about is, you know, only invest what you can afford to lose. Nobody wants to lose money. That is the opposite of the goal. But you, it's it's not a guarantee. And past performance does not guarantee how things will, will play out. And so I think just kind of having that starting point first helps a lot. And then when you get to like, okay, now I'm ready to build a portfolio, you know, a lot of people will start with the financials and the general health of the business, this is a bit of a learning curve, right? There's lots of terminology, the earnings statements, uh, documents could be very confusing. Um, so a lot of people will acquaint themselves with like the vernacular of these things. What should they be looking for? What do these terms mean? What are the signals? And then beyond that, though, there's all these other things. So how do you feel about the products? Do you feel like this is an innovative company? Are you a consumer or user of the product? I think Warren Buffett has that great adage of uh, invest in what you know. 
Um, and so a lot of people will employ that. There's also looking at things like exogenous forces and how they could cause headwinds or tailwinds. I think we've seen that with Zoom's meteoric rise, obviously, this year. They couldn't have possibly have seen that coming, <laughs> but the acceleration on their business, same thing with Peloton. On the other side, there's other companies that, you know, again, those same exogenous forces are causing them to have uh, a lot of struggles as a business that kind of have nothing to do with them. So one one example would be Outfront Media, which sells out-of-home advertising in major markets. Think about, yeah. you know, people aren't riding the subway. That I was just walking around. I live in New York. I was walking around in all of those big spaces where there were huge advertisements. They're empty. Um, so you got to kind of think of those things as well. And then, you know, a lot of people look at leadership, you know, who's in charge, who's leading this ship? Is it someone you admire or trust? Has there been a lot of turnover? And then the last layer, which matters, especially for a lot of young investors, is their values. So does this company make you feel good when you invest in them? And it's really this kind of elevated layer of voting with your wallet. So all these things can come into play and different investors will weight some of these things differently. It really kind of is up to you as the investor, how you want to do that. I think it's exciting when you think about it, the idea of investing in a company and, and choosing with your dollars for whatever period of time to be uh, had to have an ownership in a particular company. I think, I, I hope that if we can shift the brain of um, a lot of people to move them from feeling scared and fearful about what if I make the wrong choice or what if I lose money into more of the positive sort of, you know, being a detective and finding those companies that really resonate with you. I'm hoping we can, we can make that shift and, and move people more in that direction. But I'm curious, you working for public.com, have you had any other like investing aha moments or or any little bits of information that you've learned along the way? There's a really cool trend we see in our community and I definitely participate and it's this trend of showing your losses. So <laughs> I love it. You see a lot with some of the more kind of trader um, type investors, you know, people screenshotting their, you know, YOLO trades, I think they call them usually a shorter term mindset. And you really, you're, you're really only seeing the people that are winning. And it's a little misleading. Um, and really in public, you know, it's about the long term. So you're not really getting that level of people sharing, you know, crazy screenshots like that. But one interesting thing you do see is, People talking about when they when they have a loss or they make a bad decision, they talk about it. And I actually I made a bad investment a few months ago, and I realized my aha moment was I kind of had this moment of self awareness. Uh, I've always you know I'm a marketer, and so I always lean into the consumer angle and the brand, and I I tend to overweight that sometimes in my decisions, and so. Um, thinking about kind of where your own biases are as an investor. Um, and it could go the other way. You could be really so focused on the numbers, you you miss some big thing. And so um, kind of from that, I learned, you know, being aware of my own bias as an investor and and also doing doing more research. And I, I, I sold, a, I kept most of it because I'm, I'm trying to write it out long term, but I sold a little bit of it just to show like, hey, I got slaughtered here, but like, here's what I did wrong. And Hopefully others can relate to this and learn. And I even like opened up, you know, what what have you learned from a loss? And we had a conversation about it because I do think transparently talking about this stuff is inherently educational. 
And once you start talking about it, it just becomes easier, especially if it's a community of people with a lot of constructive conversations happening, you feel comfortable sort of sharing that with the community. I'm a big fan of sharing losses and sharing things that didn't work out, something I try to do on this podcast often because I think the idea of perfection around money is so overrated and it keeps people stuck a lot of times from moving forward with things. So I think it's so helpful to share the things that didn't work out and also to show how alike we all are. Like we all are going to choose a stock or invest in a company that doesn't work out. That's just the reality of the situation. You can't win win all the time. So I think that's so cool to have those types of discussions. And I I hope those types of discussions continue. Well, I, I'm curious with this, I love this idea of this community aspect. Uh where do you think this is going to evolve in the next few years? Do you think investing is going to really move even more in this direction with transparency and community and sharing? I really hope so. I think it's all part of this bigger cultural shift of investing always being this kind of smoke-filled room, clandestine sort of thing. And it's more about competition than collaboration. Like I have an insight. I'm not going to tell anybody because... I'm, I'm out here for me. Uh, and in the community piece is really, let's collaborate. Let's talk about this stuff. And collaboration is really powerful with money in general. One example I always think of is this trend of, you know, a lot of millennials will share salary information with their coworkers uh, to make sure that people are being compensated fairly. And, you know, you could have a whole debate around whether that's that's the right thing to do or not. But it, it is empowering to get things out into the open sometimes, especially with regard to money. So in a community environment, you know, it's it's a safe space for people to learn. And especially for when people are starting out, they don't necessarily just want to be alone with their charts and their numbers. So it it kind of helps assuage some of that, again, that fear to see other people talking things out in in common, you know, common terms. They're not, you know, screaming on on TV with a bunch of tickers going across. It's just a normal person that you can relate to talking about how they think about this stuff. And so I think part of that too is like the community can remove this psychological barrier to entry that someone might have. Or maybe they see someone in the app who looks like them, um, which historically people kind of in this culture of investing have tended to look like one one type of person. Um, and so just having that representation, maybe you see someone who's also a designer or you know someone you can relate to, it just helps remove this, helps assuage the fear you might have that uh, this isn't for you. And a lot of new people in our app will, will comment and, and talk to our support team and they'll say, I never thought I could be an investor. And it's really powerful when they get kind of in there and they see, you know, oh, I, I can do this. This is like, this is within reach for me. And there's other people here who are in the same boat. That is so exciting. I really love that that's happening because it's just it's just a, a reality in the financial world that needed to be toppled uh, for quite some time. I, I know as a, I'm no longer a practicing certified financial planner, still have my my designation, but when I was practicing, I would often be the only female in the room and definitely the youngest by 20, 30 years, maybe even more. And you always felt like a like an outsider. And I think it's just so important in the money world that you're able to see people like yourself that are 
making money, that are building wealth, that are investing, that are growing, because that's that's exciting to me. That's how we really change the world and how we empower people who didn't think that this could be a reality for them, that it could start start to be a reality. Yeah. I mean, pe- people want to see themselves and just, yeah, I totally agree. I There's actually, uh, speaking to your experience there, I just read in Bloomberg that women fund managers are beating their male counterparts this year. And the whole kind of explanation was that men, um, the, ma- the male fund man- managers were typically investing uh, more so in like finance and banking stocks, whereas the female uh, fund managers were were kind of having a new perspective and looking more at tech, which is obviously performing better on the whole. And so I think sometimes just having that different mindset is is an asset and, and having a diverse uh, perspective is not something that necessarily has to hold you back. In fact, it could be an advantage to you. And I think we see a lot, you know, we hear a lot in the community of, of people kind of feeling confident about talking about their investments because they can talk about it from a personal experience. We have one woman in the community who talks about, you know, she, she mentioned she, she is a small business owner. She's been using Shopify for years. And, and several years ago, she asked her wealth, wealth manager if, you know, hey, I, I use a Shopify thing. All my friends do. It's pretty powerful. And I guess he kind of brushed it off. And mm-hmm. now she's kind of having this realization, like, you know, sometimes my instinct and my experience is applicable to my investing. And of course, you know, advisors and managers play important roles and they're very knowledgeable, but sometimes kind of having that outside mindset could help you. Oh yeah, that is such a good story. There are so many different examples I could speak to about that uh, in my own life and and certainly people I've worked with where someone told them, so many people where someone told them not to invest in Apple or Amazon or Google. And of course, you know, now they want to just like bang their head against the wall. Should have listened to my own intuition. So that's such a that's such a good point to just follow sometimes where you're where your mind is taking you at least enough to do a little investigation. That's so fascinating. Well, I would love to know, like thinking about 2020, because it is, it is such a weird year. I don't know if we're going to have a year quite like this. Probably a lot of people don't ever want to have a year like this again, but what does investing in 2020 and beyond mean to you? What are, what are some of the things we should, we should focus on as we go forward? One thing I'm really excited about is not only the democratization of access to investing, but the democratization of thought leadership around finance and business topics overall. I think it's really cool to see this emerging crop of new media platforms uh, and creators who are who are kind of bringing this stuff down to earth a little bit, making it more accessible to more people. And so just education around these topics. I feel like there's never been a time when there was more information out there. And we actually did a survey of our members. And one of the the things they said was it was almost as if there was too much. They didn't know where to, where to go. Um, but I think that's a good problem to have. And so in addition to there being more, though, I think there's different voices, different viewpoints. I think what we've seen even in the past few months with this kind of emerging crop of Substack writers who are writing really interesting analyses of businesses and business trends through a lens that you just have not seen before uh, is amazing. And I think, you know, the next generation of Jim Cramers won't all look, act, or think like him. And I think that's great. 
Um, no knock on him, but let's get more kind of voices out there coming at these things from different angles. And I think that benefits a lot of people who are now just coming up and wanting to learn more about these topics. Yeah, I'm all for less voices yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> and more voices supporting me. That's that's my camp. Uh, certainly, what I try and do on this show. But you know, everyone's got everyone's got their own taste. Well, Katie, I would love for you to tell people where they could go to connect with public.com and to get started. We are at public.com, um, and you can sign up for the app right there. We're a free app for iOS or Android, and uh, yeah, we're commission free and no account minimums. Uh, it's just a great first investing experience, or even if you're more seasoned, just a great place to share ideas and share knowledge. Uh, and you can also find us on Twitter at public and on Instagram at public hello. Investing doesn't have to be scary. There are so many apps like public.com to help you just even dip your toe in the water, or if you're already investing, really help you grow your investing practice. So let's just all beat the odds and grow our wealth together. What do you say? Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com, where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review. And make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode. Algorithms can do so much more than control social media feeds. In fact, they have the power to save lives and improve our health. At the Weizmann Institute, Professor Yonina Eldar has pioneered innovative algorithms that optimize MRI scans and make ultrasound devices more portable, affordable, and accessible. Professor Eldar's lab develops AI tools that can pave the way to new technologies that can see, hear, and communicate beyond existing limits. Learn more at celebratinggreatminds.org.